Plants and Seasons. I am your host, Marcus Moore, and today we will explore the topic, Freedom of Speech and Prophecy. What comes to mind when you think about freedom of speech? It's such a familiar and common term. I wonder if we ever really consider its implications and the role it plays in our everyday lives. Most of us living in today's society haven't really had our freedom significantly challenged like many of our ancestors did. We're so used to our daily conveniences and comforts, even if we don't realize the extent of them, especially in a democratic and modern world. So what exactly is freedom of speech? And why am I talking about this particular topic? Because free speech is uniquely tied to our modern day prophetic culture. My desire is to explore its interconnectedness and how the evolution of free speech over time has helped to shape our modern prophetic expression. The common definition of freedom of speech is the right to express one's opinions without government control or restraint. This concept, particularly as a democratic ideal, goes as far back as ancient Greece. The ancient Greeks were forerunners of free speech. Athens, Greece, to be more specific, was really the birthplace of democracy. The term free speech first appeared in Greek literature during the fifth century. The Greeks were known for their artistic expression by way of the theater, literature, and educational institutions. These were all gateways into the human experience that allowed for a unique freedom of expression and questioning of authority. This meant that everyday citizens and other figures were able to discuss politics, religion, and also critique government in various settings. However, this was not always allowed. A cornerstone of Athenian democracy was the right to address the assembly. In his play, The Phoenician Women, Euripides declares that this is slavery, not to speak one's thought. One of the greatest philosophers, Socrates, whom many in the popular church demonizes, said, I know that my plainness of speech makes them hate me. And what is their hatred but a proof that I am speaking the truth? Another philosopher, Demosthenes, said that it is necessary to speak freely without holding back anything, without concealing anything. I find it interesting that some of our greatest philosophers of antiquity were quite bold and free in their critique of government and empire. Like many modern societies, however, ancient Greece did not allow complete freedom of speech. They also wrestled with balancing individual freedom and public order. And such examples were challenged in different ways by empirical structures. For example, China's first emperor ordered the books on history and philosophy to be burned. Cicero, both a lawyer and philosopher, who was also known for his political achievements, was prescribed as an enemy of the state and beheaded at the word of Mark Antony because of his many speeches criticizing Mark Antony and government legislation. 
During the fifth century, the Romans actually initiated a law that would punish speech crimes like slander and libel with death. Why is this part of our history important? Well, our current democracy has been shaped by ancient Roman and Greek culture in many ways. History gives us a picture into the individual lives and systems that were challenged with many of the same issues we actually face today. It also helps us to make sense of our current realities while providing us with some insight and foresight needed to take us into uh, the future. The First Amendment guarantees free speech. However, all modern de uh, democracies place limits on this particular freedom. It is literally the result of several landmark cases that the United States Supreme Court has helped to define what types of speech are and aren't protected under U.S. law over decades, over the years. The First Amendment was adopted on December 15th, 1791 as part of the Bill of Rights, the first 10 amendments to the United States Constitution, providing constitutional protection for certain individual liberties, including freedoms of speech, assembly, and worship. Because the First Amendment doesn't specify what exactly is meant by freedom of speech, what types of speech should and shouldn't be protected by law has been determined largely by the courts. Such protections include all forms of communication, from speeches to art and other media, including symbolic speech, which is an action that expresses an idea like Bible burning or flag burning. So what does the First Amendment actually say? Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Now let's give this a religious spin and try to look at this form from the view of scripture. We're gonna look at Romans 13 as it relates to free speech and in particular in this regard, prophetic speech. Just in case you've never read or heard the scripture before, let me read it for you from the New International Version. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against God, against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. 
Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. We could literally spend hours on this particular scripture. It, it definitely deserves a lot of attention, particularly in today's climate. But this passage of scripture has been used for centuries to argue for and against unconditional submission to government rule without challenge. I won't bore you with a history lesson, but it might be worthy to note that our United States would not be what it is today without having fought for its own independence. My question is, how much control should the government have and who gets to determine that? The church? This is not anything new. It's not something we haven't heard before. I'm sure many of you have heard this scripture, have, have engaged possibly this topic before. But we've actually learned a lot from history about the consequences of too much government control, especially when in the bed with religious institutions. I grew up in an evangelical church that heavily emphasized submission to our pastors, not to one another, but in particular to leadership. Submission to leadership was a high value in the church I attended, but it never really was clarified, taught um, specifically, except that we should obey our leaders. Whatever we were told or asked to do we were expected to do. Some examples of this type of submission that I mentioned include cleaning the toilets, giving certain amounts of money in the offering, or double tithing, possibly sacrificing sleep or time with family to take care of the needs of the pastors. And these weren't your, you know, urgent needs. These were more like cleaning the house of, of the pastors or doing their laundry, cooking them food, watching their kids, and the list goes on. My dad would work literally a 12-hour shift and then be expected to work at the behest of the pastor. And he did it. I had posted something on Facebook about a year ago regarding my mom, who currently has advanced stage dementia, and the loss of my dad, who passed away about a year and a half ago. I was sharing how frustrating it was to watch the decline in my, past, in my parents' health and receive literally little to no support from a church that my parents served for years. I find it difficult to understand how someone can give so much of their time, energy, and money into an institution or a local assembly that does very little in return when community support is needed the most. I was confronted by a pastor on Facebook after having posted that 
who suggested that I could not fathom the weight of responsibility of what it means to be a pastor unless I was one. And, you know, I thought his response to my post was both insensitive and also really telling of the current evangelical culture and climate. You see, in my opinion, he was trying to limit my freedom of speech and use his position to do so. There is a responsibility that I believe we each have in our respective roles. And when they aren't fulfilled, people have the right to speak truth to power. Let's consider the Fugitive Slave Act passed in 1950. This law gave permission to state officials and good citizens to return people who had escaped slavery to bondage. And the populace did so in defense of a slave system because of their understanding of divine law and order. It was considered an act against the Almighty, and many used Romans 13 to declare damnation and judgment on anyone who railed against the system. In today's world, we are still faced with similar challenges of expression. Right now, there are conversations happening in high levels of government regarding safeguards and protections for managing traffic taking place via social media sites. Even more dangerous is how some religious institutions use prophecy to promote their political agendas and spew out judgments against anyone who disagrees with them or has an opposing view. Unfortunately, many of these same people who claim to be prophets are unlearned and haven't had one class at an, at an accredited, accredited university to provide them with any ounce of scholarship. So I ask you, what does it mean to speak truth to power in today's world? Do the same rules apply to all forms of government, including religious systems of power? Who determines what is right or wrong within a matrix of many large and local systems of government? And how do we challenge those systems? How do we decipher true prophetic speech from all the other noise? What standards should govern prophetic speech in this information age? How should, how should authentic prophetic ministry be governed when there is no centralized government to protect its citizens? We will continue to explore these questions on the next episode of Prophetic Tides and Seasons. I am Marcus Moore, and thank you for tuning in.